Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. It's Tobin here with you. As the next hour, we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Uh, very excited. A, later on today's show, we will talk to Miami Zone. Uh, she has just had one of the best weeks of her professional or young professional career, Valerie Lareda. She is going to join us, Bellator flyweight. Uh, she is fresh off of her knockout win over Tara Graf, and then fresh off the announcement this week that she has signed a new deal with Bellator MMA. So we will talk to Valerie a little bit later on in today's show. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy that conversation. But last night we had UFC 252 Daniel Cormier steeping Miocic for the heavyweight championship of the world. The trilogy was going to come to an end. Uh, Daniel Cormier's career was going to come to an end. There was some maybe murkiness over Stipe. Was he going to come back after this one? Um, it was. Uh, it was. It was a lot of a lot of headlines surrounding this one for sure. Fun card. A lot of action around it. Um, so let's get let's get right to it. Let's get to the main event. Which was uh, which which uh, is held up. The champ uh, retains his title. Stipe Miocic is still your heavyweight champion of the world. He won by scores of 49-46 on two scorecards, 48-47 on another. So he got the unanimous decision nod. Really don't have a lot of issues uh, with the scoring whatsoever. Um, it was one of those things where I I, I was it, it, it was interesting because the first couple of rounds. They, they both seemed like they were swinging one way, and then there was such an exclamation point ending for the other opponent. So, for example, you know, one, it, it, they are both feeling out. One was definitely the most feel-out that you had in this in this one. Uh, both guys who knew each other so well, but it felt like there was a big crack by DC at the end of round one. Um, that definitely probably was enough to steal him the round. Round two, uh, it looked actually like it was going uh, more the same towards DC. That DC was, you know, catching him, was was uh, holding, hitting him with these these monster right hands. Steve was having a little bit of trouble finding DC's head. Uh, was always having success with those body shots, but uh, at the at the end of round two, just hit him with some head with that with a heavy bomb of a right hand and hit him with like three of them that uh, nearly had you thinking that he was maybe going to finish DC off. Uh, DC came up really hurt and wobbled at the end of that round, and you you thought that he was going to be in big trouble. Goes to round three. Uh, it seems that it was you know DC was was content with Steve kind of holding him up against the cage. You know, Dominic says, "Oh, I always take round three off." That he was maybe resting up a little bit. Um, but honestly, in this round, you also so it was a pretty clear Steve Steve round. But also, I think you had. Um, 
probably you could argue maybe the biggest moment of the fight because there was a nasty eye poke. Now it was interesting because earlier in the round, earlier in the fight, there was a, an eye poke from DC to Stipe that uh, was pretty bad, and it ended up that Stipe or that DC was able to hit Stipe with a pretty gnarly shot afterwards. And then in this round in particular, right at the end of round three. I mean, just a, a, a knuckle deep eye poke from Stepe to DC. It was bad. It was bad. When they go back on the replay, you're like, oh, he, you know, like he almost could have gouged his eye out. It was that kind of bad. So, you know, DC has two rounds in a row here. One where he's uh, he's nearly knocked out. One where he's uh, got his vision severely impaired. Um, you know, so he's going to round four. He's got only one eyeball that he's seen anyway. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a tough go of it, but I thought that he held up pretty good, uh, in round four, but it was a very, it was a very even round. It was, uh, it was one of those where at this point, most people probably have it two one in favor of Stipe. I'm sure there's a lot of people going into round five that would love to see it even. Um, and DC, like, you know, listen, that, that right hand, that, that, that right, that vicious right hand that he has. Uh, kept finding a home for Stipe for sure. Um, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to recognize from Stipe's vantage point. I'm sure at six four, where DC comes from, kind of out of nowhere. It's almost like a big peekaboo overhand right, and it was uh, it was a, it was it was a heavy shot. But but you could tell that it wasn't at the point where, you know, it wasn't like the first fight where Stipe just didn't see it on the break. Uh, you know, when he he's been he's eating it pretty well. Uh, you know, typically Stipe is a guy who has a granite chin. And that, that definitely came forth in this fight. So round four ended, I was in the mindset. Yeah. I thought DC probably did enough to get it, but I, I was saying to myself at the end of that, but I really could see it going, uh, steep way. Um, and then the same thing kind of with round five, it was, it, you definitely saw steep go to the well. Uh, he was holding him up against the cage. He had him in the clinch. Um, you know, wasn't doing the toe stomps like Kamar Usman was, but, you know, DC was pretty exhausted. wasn't doing much with it. Again, he he would find a home every now and then for that right hand, uh, but there wasn't some heroic hail mary, uh, hail mary shot. And I think that it probably ended up that round five, much like round three. There was so much control that Stipe had, uh, and the and the and the significant strikes were adding up. It'd be tough to give DC that round. Um, so a bit of an anticlimactic ending. Uh, to the trilogy, which both had, which both were, you know, the first two fights were thrilling and very memorable because of, uh, obviously DC winning the heavyweight championship the way that he would, the way that he did against the most decorated heavyweight champion of all time. Uh, and then Stipe having the rally that he did in round, uh, in the later rounds of that fight, winning the fight, the way that he won the belt, you know, this one was definitely the, the, the dud of the trilogy, if you will. Um, and that's the end of, you know, and, and that appears to be the end of Daniel Cormier's career. Um, the, the one thing I will say about this, you know, I, I will say with DC, who is going to have a fantastic career as a broadcaster. I, I've said this on record on my show, uh, you know, both this one and um, on my morning show. I think he's the best thing going in, in television broadcasting right now. I really, really believe that. I think that he's well-versed. I think he's likable. Uh, I mean, he's going to be like, you know, he could be a UFC guy, you know, he could go to WWE. I honestly think that he could be the next Michael Strahan for God's sakes. Like he's that kind of likable and affable, you know, an absolute badass, but he kind of looks like the everyman. Um, to me, Steve, you know, D Daniel Cormier is going to be a gazillionaire for using his mouth and his personality. 
um, more so than he did using his his fists, and he made a lot of money using his fists. Um, what a you know what a career it was. But I think you know the 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 big moment, the big swing moment in this fight, you know, coming from that second round where things were going pretty well for DC, he he stumbled Stipe. He seemed like he was on his way in round two to winning a second round in a row, and then it all changed. And it reminded me a lot of the second John Jones fight where a lot of things were going well for him up until that head kick got him. And you do wonder, there was a lot of this talk of like true heavyweight from the broadcast crew. And, you know, there's been, you know, I don't know if you can make this argument as much with John, but I do think that with DC, there's such limitations in his body being this five nine portly fella at heavyweight or even light heavyweight, where guys who are usually that height are welterweight to middleweights from time to time, you know, um, and it just makes you think, like, man, if if St- if if DC was like six two, would anybody be able to touch him? Like, if 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 he was six one, would anybody be able to touch him? You know, uh, if DC did if he, if he was in you know granite shape would you know and he was a uh, you know the most badass middleweight of all time would that be possible you don't know like you don't know like i think part of it also is is what it is you can throw any man uh his size on their head uh also so but it, but it, it it was it was one of those things that crossed my mind when i watched that you know he's lost now and you know these these losses to John Jones and to Stipe, he's lost to the greatest, maybe the greatest fighter of all time, and he's lost to the greatest heavyweight of all time. So you know, there's no shame in that. I mean, his 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 the losses on his resume. I mean, it, it, it's uh, there's nothing to ha- there's nothing to, to to hang your head on. They they are it's it's a it's a great career. He's a two division champion. Um, and I think I think at the end of it, because of winning the heavyweight title the way he did, I thought that was a big legacy maker for him. It was something that he could be separate from John Jones and uh, is not always going to be the known as the guy who was the paper champion or the guy who could never beat John Jones or any of that stuff. So I, I do feel like he was able to make his own mark. He was able to separate from the John Jones rivalry a little bit. And I was even saying, what well, if he won this, people were saying, well, do you want to see the John Jones? Show? I was like, not, not really. I'm okay with DC having his own thing. I don't think everything has to be, oh, we have to do one more of the rivalry between him and John. Like, we know how that's going to end. And at the end of this, you know, it, I don't want to say that he won the first fight on a fluke, but he won He won the first fight on a, on a crazy haymaker that Steve didn't see coming. And I think that over the majority of a fight we've seen the guy who's probably got the better skills and i do think that a lot of it has to do with size i think that he's got the the longer range i think that he's able to hold stipe uh hold stipe is able to hold dc up against the cage um and i just think that stuff matters i think that that you know at, at the end of this um uh, that they are in the same weight class but the measurables were a big difference and i think they were for him versus John Jones too, you know the the especially the second John uh, Jones fight where like DC was looking pretty good, but you have to be so perfect. His margin, you know, DC's margin for error is almost non-existent when he gets in there with these Goliaths, and especially the ones who really do, like you know they don't have a lot of weaknesses. You know, if you're talking about 
three guys and they don't really have a weakness. You know, they're good at everything. But, you know, two of them are 6'4", and one of them is 5'9". Unfortunately, it just might be the big difference there. And that's what it felt like, is like Stipe, you know, was able to come out of this with his right-hand haymaker, but he was able to hit DC up against the cage with it because of his size. He was able to chase him chase him down with these wild shots, and DC wouldn't be able to do that with with Stipe on the other side. And, And the same thing goes for John. So... It, I did come out of this this uh, this fight with DC, thinking about his legacy, thinking about what kind of a fighter he is, uh, and, and pretty amazed by what he was able to do uh, in the division that he was in, at the size that he was at, um, and, and especially with you know the height and the reach disadvantages that he would go. It's not so much the weight, um, but it's it's knowing that man. He has it, it, look. It helps him too. I mean, he was able to he was able to crack. I think I think. Stipe had these issues when they were both in the pocket of just standing and hitting him in the head. He was able to hit his body at will, but just getting those clean shots uh, right on his dome was not easy for him. So, you know, what is Daniel Cormier's legacy? I think he's going to be known as one of the greats. He's just not one of the, he's 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 known as one of the greats. He's just not one known as one of the greatest of all time. You know, some people were like, "Oh, is DC in the goat?" discussion i don't think so i I don't think so Uh, i think that if he would have won this fight certainly that could have been an argument made you know but ultimately the results matter and we've seen him now and uh and two out of three fights with stipe and and uh stipe comes out on top twice and i don't think that this was very controversial i don't think anybody has a real issue with it they know that stipe came out on top um and and that's that. I think that he's going to be known as a guy who's an amazing ambassador for the sport. I think that he is going to be a guy we're going to hear from post career more so than John, more so than Stipe, and all that type of stuff. So that's that. As far as Stipe is concerned, you know, where does he go from here? That's an interesting question too. Um, you know, like again, there was some retirement buzz. You know, he's thirty. He's going to be thirty eight years old very soon. Um, and he really doesn't have uh, an equal in this division right now. Obviously, Francis and Ganu is the guy who everybody is is fawning upon. But you know, we did see those two fight, and it really wasn't close. Now, Steve did take some bombs in that fight. I mean, he really and and so if you're telling me like, is it? Is it crazy to think that uh, that Francis can catch him with something and really hurt him? No, it's definitely not crazy. It definitely could happen. Um, but, I mean, it, it is one of these things where, okay, we're ready to coronate Francis as the, as the king of the heavyweights and the next star of the UFC and, you know, do give him all the commercials, make all the action figures, put him on the cover of video magazines and – you know this. Uh, you know this behemoth from Cleveland, who is beating everybody there is to beat at heavyweight, um, is still standing his way, and he whooped his ass the last time they two these two faced. Now, look, Francis has gone on a run, a crazy, crazy run since it's happened. Don't get me wrong, um, and and I've said this, you know, especially with like you know the likes of Justin Gaethje winning or Dustin Poirier. You know, don't count guys out just because they had one bad loss against a really good guy, but. Um, also like what, what happens to Francis if this goes past around, you know, we still don't quite know. I mean, he made his way to the title, obliterating, obliterating people in the matter of seconds. 
He lost the title getting beat on for five rounds. Uh, he had an ugly fight against Derek Lewis, uh, which looked like which he admitted he was still a little bit shook in. Um, and then he eradicated, you know, four really good fighters and eradicated them really, really quickly. Is that enough to tell you that he could do that against Stipe? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I would have been, you know, more excited if Francis is coming into this first thing and it's Francis versus John Jones for the heavyweight title. You know, so that begs the question, do they do Steve A versus Francis and Ganu? Do or um and I'm sure Dana's gonna be dismissive of this because he's quote retired or not active. Uh is the maneuver to uh is the maneuver to get Stipe and John Jones to fight? Is that the move? I cause if I'm Dana, and I know that he uh I know that he's you know gonna he's been very petty on this stuff, but you know, I just think that uh I just think that this is one of those things where, yeah, I think if you're going to make a make a move, um, I think that the move has to be ver- John versus Stipe, not Stipe versus France, because Stipe is getting up there, too. And Stipe, if I'm Stipe and I'm saying, like, really, like, it's got to be Francis, we've, we've kind of been there, done that. I almost want to face Curtis Blades, and I think there could be an argument for that. Um, and that's unfortunate for Francis. Like, what else is Francis supposed to do? Like, he's beaten... You know, who is he's beaten number five, number six, when uh and number three. And he beat uh Kane Velasquez in seconds, you know, one of the greatest heavyweight champions of all time. John Jones on Twitter yesterday, he says, Heavyweight world championships. I'll be seeing you real soon. This is an exciting time for me. For some reason, these heavyweights don't seem too big to me tonight. Avoid Cepe's right hand. I'm too fast, too strong. When the time is right, uh have way too much energy. Soon I'll be considered the best man on the planet. So John was John was in uh you know so John John's stoking the flames of it a little bit. Um I think that's the route you got to go. I think you got to go John versus I think you got to go John Jones versus Stipe for the heavyweight championship. And then uh you know, look if Stipe wins um you know, then great. Uh and and that that even cements his legacy even more. I don't know what that does for Francis, but Look, there's been guys who've been in tougher positions than Francis. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, Tony Ferguson, uh, you know, Dustin Poirier, you know, there's been a ton of guys who have held title stuff, title fights that have been held up. And if John Jones is coming up to heavyweight, he's doing it to fight for the heavyweight championship of the world. Uh, and he and he does get to cut the line on Francis and Ghana, especially when Francis lost to the champ. You know, it'd be one thing if uh, if and if Stipe wouldn't have won tonight and DC would have retired, I bet you they would have done John Jones versus Francis for the title. You know, it probably would have gone that direction. So I think the next time the heavyweight championship is fought for, I think John Jones is going to be involved. And I think it should be involved. We'll take a break. We're back with more after this. Welcome back, everybody. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Uh, we'll continue our recap of UFC 252. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, showcasing that was going on with the Sugar Show, Sugar Sean O'Malley, as he was the co-main event in this card. So they were bumping him up quick as far as uh, high-profile fights is concerned. And he was taking on Marlon Chito Vera for, the, uh, for the, I guess, the prestige of stopping the Sugar Show. A lot of people thought that Chito Vera was a live dog in this, but, um, you know, Mar- you know, Sugar Sean O'Malley was going in there and 
uh, talking a big game. You know, obviously the personality was getting upped as far as, you know, the crazy hair, the big time knockouts, uh, calling out Cody Garbrandt, all that type of stuff. Uh, it was going to come quick. And it definitely left you with an unsatisfying taste because of how the fight went down. Uh, Sean O'Malley, he is looking pretty decent with his kicks early on in the fight. Um, but then uh, he ends up hurting something where it gets uh, very gnarly. And, and Joe Rogan made reference to this when you saw his, his ankle roll over the way that it did. Couldn't put some weight on it. Uh, it was very reminiscent of Brett Primus versus Michael Chandler when that was going down. Um, and so Marlon Vera, noticing that that Sean was hurt, obviously the kicks aren't coming the same way. He's trying to lure him in maybe with something big. But, you know, where he's switching stances, you know, like crazy to start this fight, then he's more, a little bit more static and hopefully he's trying to lure uh, Marlon Vera in with something. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a gnarly injury. He ends up uh, getting on top of a sugar, Sean, putting him down and hits him with a big elbow. Very weird stoppage. Uh, I don't know if Herb Dean recognized that Sean was hurt in the wake of this decision because of the way that he stopped that fight pretty quickly. Cause it wasn't like, it wasn't like Sean was taking a beating, but you know, you're a referee, you notice what's in there. Maybe he heard his coaches. Maybe the coaches understood what was going on. I'm not sure, but, uh, it looked, yeah, it looked like it was some kind of nerve damage or something that was going on there. I don't know if it was a break. I know that he's uh, he had a foot injury in the past and stuff like that, so he's dealt with some durability issues and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, that's definitely not where the UFC wanted to go with the Sugar Show for sure, man. Like he's, you know, was just cranking into the rankings, and this was supposed to be his big showcase. Um, and I do think that. He did. He did seem like he was giving uh, Chito Vera some trouble and, and reading some stuff up until he got wounded. Um, it sucks for Vera that this is the way you get a win. In that, I think that a lot of people are going to uh, take credit away from him, and it's tough not to. It's not. It, you know, it, it's great that he gets the win, but it's tough for it not to feel unfulfilling. Um, I do think that most of us were going into this card. If not excited about the 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 main event, you were excited to see what Sean O'Malley was going to blossom into. Is he going to be the next Conor McGregor? You know, he's got the crazy hair. He talks great. He talks a great game. He's probably the, the the he's probably I would say the best at marketing himself uh, than any other fighter going right now. Whereas maybe he's not. Maybe you don't want to put him as like one of the top stars right now. Or even rise, he's just he gets. He seems like he gets the game. You know, he's got his own podcast. He talks to the, he 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 talks the good smack. Um, you know, he's got the throne and all that type of stuff. Like he's he's just got the gimmick down, down pat. Um, but I always say this. I always say this whenever it comes to one of these great guys who talk mad bleep, um, and everybody wants to put the Conor McGregor crown on him. I always say this. And a lot of people don't like doing this these days, but you have to. You gotta give Conor McGregor a lot more credit than you want to after you see what happens and you see how things can get derailed. Because Conor's a guy who's had torn ACLs in fights, he's had torn knees and gone in one fights, all that type of stuff, and most of the time was able to come through with knockout victories. I, you know, I always think that you know, and you're thinking about when Sean's walking in there. And, He's even got the damn. He's got the damn Irish uh, colors walking in. He's got a more Irish name than Conor McGregor has. You know, 
it's tough not to draw comparisons. It's tough not to draw comparisons. I get it. But ultimately, even with things going with bad luck, like Connor's had bad luck and has still pulled out wins uh, in that regard on his rise. Obviously, we're not talking about like, you know, the loss to Habib and Floyd and um, all that type of stuff. I'm talking about like the rise of Conor McGregor to stardom. Uh, and so every time you think that it's easy, that this guy's going to be the next guy, something as simple as this can slip you up. And, you know, hopefully his injury isn't too serious and that he can get right back in there and, you know, make it right and have a sensational knockout because, you know, you go from a guy who is John with Cody Garbrandt, a former world champion, and we're all talking about how who had the better walk-off knockout and I'd love to see that fight and all that type of stuff to, all right, maybe this guy's got a lot more work than we thought he does. And and I know that may seem unfair knowing that he got to, uh, he didn't really get to go finish his, his painting, but you know, that's, that's the unfortunate thing. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta wait and see. Um, and hopefully, hopefully he does get back in there pretty quickly. Uh, the other one that I, I want to give a big shout out to is Jarzino Rosenstrike, who got himself a, uh, a nice win over Junior Dos Santos, a really, really nice win, big, huge win for Biggie boy. Uh, I was very torn on this fight last week. It was very torn because I, I really like Rosenstrike. I like him. He's, uh, he's been on this show. He's a cool dude. I like his boy, Tyrone Spong. Uh, JDS, I'm kind of lukewarm on JDS, but I know he was working with my guy, Daya. So I ended up rolling with JDS just because I figured, like, there was a couple things I was I was concerned about with Jorginho. One, um, you know, we saw him get obliterated by Nganu, which that's kind of what Nganu does. But he was taking this fight fairly quickly after that. I mean, we're talking about he he'd lost that fight in May, and now he's back in there in August. That's... That's a pretty quick turnaround to lose the way he did to Francis in 20 seconds and have that kind of a quick turnaround. So huge guts on him, which he has clearly shown in his UFC career thus far. He has a lot of courage um, and is willing to risk it. So you have to respect that about Rosenstrike. The other thing is, uh, the other thing I was concerned about is, you know, I was going a little bit towards his fight with Alistair Overeem where he won, but he won it on a Hail Mary. I mean, that, 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 punch where he broke Alistair Overeem's face. Overeem was just seemed a little bit too crafty for him over the majority of that fight. And so I thought that, you know, maybe JDS was uh, was going to bring some of that to the table. He looked in phenomenal shape, Dos Santos, coming into this fight. Um, and I do think that he was, uh, was looking a little bit slicker in that first round. But my God, I tell you what, when, uh, when Jorginho wanted to turn up the Jets on this one, uh, he, he, he flipped it on its head real quick and he, he demolished Junior Dos Santos. He really, really did. Um, you know, was doing some good work with his calf kicks was doing We, we saw, I thought a lot more kicking out of him, which was great. Um, so just an awesome performance from Rosenstrike. Who's right back in there for the title sh- title picture. As far as contenders concerned, I, I know he, uh, you know, he was, he was in the, in circumstance of not knowing what was going to happen tonight. So, um, you know, he said he wasn't going to call anybody out that he'd done that route. And now he's just kind of, kind of go with the path. I think the move right now for him is, you know, I would either do, I would do, you know, any of the guys that are ahead of him right now outside of Nganu. I don't think Nganu has to fight that fight. Although, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with John Jones and gone is going to probably just wait idly by to see who wins, unfortunately for him. Cause he's already beaten 
uh, Curtis twice, and he's beaten Jarzinho in 20 seconds. The only fight that's really there for him that's not a title fight is Derek, uh, but that fight sucked. So I think the move, honestly, is Derek Lewis versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike. I think that's probably the way you go, or Rosenstrike versus Curtis Blades. I think that if you're Rosenstrike, you lose in 20 seconds to the guy who's probably the coronated number one contender. The move is to remove all doubt that you could give it to anybody else. And so either one of those, I think, is a is a good win for him. Um, I think him versus Derek Lewis, that's a main event fight night fight that they could do. A uh, lot of fun between those two guys if they were to fight each other. So I think uh, that's probably the move if you are if you're Jarzinho. Do you go and do you try and uh, get a fight with Derek Lewis and, and see what happens there? Or um, you know, does he beat Curtis Blades? Because I and I think that if you're Rosenstrike, I think you try and go beat the guy who actually has a win over Nagano. I don't think you go and beat the guy that um maybe even if people you know think of Curtis as a better contender, um still lost to, to Nganu twice. So I think if you are Rosenstrike, you want to go beat the guy who has a win over Francis Nganu and hopefully have a better fight than him versus Derek Lewis. I mean, Derek Lewis versus Nganu is a terrible fight. So if you could go have a good fight with with Derek Lewis and look good doing it and get a win, um, they both have the same management company, so I imagine that's a pretty easy fight to make as far as uh, as far as matching them up is concerned. I don't think there's any like uh, politics that should be in play there. So I think that's probably the move for Jozinho for his next fight is is him versus Derek Lewis, and then let's see where the chips fall. And let's see. I'll, before we wrap this up, we're going to have uh, Master Valley Laredo join us on the show coming up. You guys are going to love that conversation. I promise you that. But uh, let's give one quick shout-out to uh, to Danny Chavez getting his win over TJ Brown. Danny trains out of MMA Masters in Miami. 14 years in the game to get to the UFC. He looked really, really good his first two rounds of this fight. Fast hands. Uh, really was, was keeping TJ Brown guessing. Uh, took this fight on three weeks' notice. Three weeks mother bleep and notice, which is uh just you know, that just shows you what kind of uh what you know, what kind of a badass this guy is. Uh was um, you know, just a just a guy that you know is is respected by all his teammates over at MMA Masters. And so you gotta give your hats off to him. He just won at in a, at Global Legion on July eighteenth. So pretty awesome for him to to go get that. And so you feel for him, you feel Great for that story. So wanted to give uh, Danny Chavez a big time shout out for getting the win uh, over over TJ Brown. Uh, great performance by him. Oh, and then one more local note: we did have uh, Danny Pineda was able to get the win over Herbert Burns, beat him via TKO with some elbows, beat him up pretty good. Uh, Herbert's that was his first trip up in the UFC. Missed weight for this one. Didn't look fantastic. Um, you know, so he'll have some regrouping to do, but. That's uh, that's kind of on the local scene that everybody had yesterday. And that is our recap of UFC 252. Again, when we come back, we will talk to Miami's own Valerie Lareda. She went to 3-0 and this past week with her vicious win in Bellator. She signed a new multi-fight deal. We'll uh, go a little bit in depth with Valerie Lareda and see, things where, see where things stand with her career. Coming up next. Very excited to talk to our next guest. She's had a pretty awesome week. She knocked a mother bleeper out. She signed a new fight deal. Master Valley Laredo, Miami's own, 
Uh, first of all, congratulations on the week. Congratulations on the win, the new deal. Uh, has this been the best week of your professional career? Uh, l- like looking at everything that's kind of gone on? Um, yes, I know. It's just the biggest. This win was most satisfying for me. First, before for anybody else, for my own personal reasons, you know, what I had to overcome in this year and four months to perform that way. It just validated a lot of my brain and just showed me how strong of mind I have and I could overcome anything, you know. And that for me is most important before anything else. And then it was more satisfying just shutting people up. You know, that's what I do. I'm good at that. I've been doing that since I was young and no one believed in me. And here I am, you know, and I know uh, this win, you know, it was a beautiful knockout. I'm three and oh, but it also comes with a lot more responsibility and harder fights coming down the line, you know, and for as much as I want to enjoy something, I really don't because at the end of the day, I'm only 3 know still and I want to be 10 and 0. I want to have that belt and I'm not going to feel extremely satisfied and sit down and say, wow, Valerie, I'm proud of you until I have that belt in my hand. So for right now, I'm enjoying it a little bit. Yes, um, I'm enjoying the way people are admiring what I did, but now there's just so much more that I have to prove and it only gets harder from here. So I just have to handle it the right way and stay focused on what's important. I wanted to I wanted been wanting to ask you about this since the fight because I didn't we didn't get a great hear of it during the uh, during the fight, but when they went in between rounds one and two and your coaches were telling you to kick, I thought I heard you say no, I don't want to. Were you trying to work on something there because you saw something good? Like, did you want to get better at your hands because you you were fine in a range in the first round? Obviously, it uh, it paid off, but I, I didn't we didn't they cut away to the other corner, so I didn't I didn't get to hear the whole exchange, and, and I kind of wanted to hear what your breakdown of that was. Okay. Basically, I went to my corner and Steve was like, Valerie, you need to start kicking more, you know, and because my kick power is really 100 times stronger than my my arm power. And I looked at him and said, no, Steve, I'm not kicking. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, I'm not kicking because she's too close to my distance. Right. So I'm going to kick her. She's going to catch my leg. And she's going to take me to the cage. I know what I'm doing. I have a feeling in my arms. And, you know, this happened to me in my amateur career, too. My first amateur fight ever from Taekwondo, you know. I went in there and my coaches in Miami thinking that I was going to do a bunch of spinning kicks and double kicks. And I turned into a boxer, you know, boxing's in my blood and I love it. I have a natural feel for it. And I do feel like I have a knockout power that I'm going to use for the rest of my career. Yeah. And you, uh, I mean, it, it's almost exhausting watching you just from home in that first round. Cause the maneuvering you're doing the whole time, like what, what goes into that? Just, is that, is that a strategy to get to, to, to figure out what her range is? Are you trying to lure her in? Because no, you never was, stop moving. That was a hundred percent game plan. Because if if it were up to me, I would just sit there in the pocket and scrap. You know, and my coaches are like, "Don't be stupid." You know, this girl's coming in there aggressive. We knew she was gonna go in there aggressive to clinch me, take me down, and do her jujitsu, right? And then they were like, "Just circle away to the right, away from her right hand, you know, and pick her apart with your hands and follow with your kicks." And um, I got into the fight. That's what I started doing. And then slowly, I after the first round, I kind of got the hang of it. You know, I, I saw where she was open and I just felt like a laser. And every time I would I, every time I would throw, I would hurt her. And I'm kind of blind. Like I have really bad eyesight. So I told my coaches, look, every time I hit her and I hurt her, tell me so I could finish. Right? And um, I just started seeing it. And the more I would punch her, the more blood I saw. And when I see blood, I just I go after it. So I remember in the second round, she made a big mistake at the end of the round trying to low kick me because I have the best timing in the world when it comes with distance, especially with kicks. So I saw that kick coming before she threw it and I popped her right when she dropped her arm. But 
I don't know. <laughs> it's just, just game plan. Did you know what, what part of the round it was when you when you did cracker? Like, did you feel like time was closing and you had to pounce or was it all just reactionary in the moment? Like at the end of that round? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. At the end of the round, I heard the, bu- I heard the buzzer and you're going to learn something about me fighting. When I scream, it's because I'm hitting hard. Okay, and that happens to me in American Top Team when we spar. They're always mad at me because everyone's sparring like normal people and you hear me, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> it's a taekwondo thing, you know? And they're always like, God, we're stopping emotional, shut up. And I'm like, no, trust me, I know what I'm doing. It's my way of like, I don't know, I just, I, I when I hit hard, it's because I'm throwing hard. I mean, when I scream loud, it's because I'm throwing hard. So in the last 10 seconds, you know, I heard the buzzer, but she made a big mistake. And I just, I was like, I'm not going to another round. And I just threw and scram with, with everything I had. And I love throwing overhands for some reason. I don't know. I think I'm a gangster. I love throwing overhands. And then I was like, damn, there's five seconds left. And I just jumped on top of him. I'm like, and I used both arms because I wanted to get as much punches in as possible. So she couldn't get up. That, uh, that gym that you guys have there, it is sick. Um, but just even the stable you guys have had as women, I mean, you have the goat training there, obviously, but everybody like, uh is that is that useful like i honestly you get to see not only your skill set because of all the talent you have but you guys your stable of women is incredible uh what is that like for you as a young fighter of what you can pick up and 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 i mean how much better do you feel your skill set's been since your debut just training there you know i used to train in an old american top team in miami in the beginning beginning of my mma career when i didn't even know how to throw a punch right and um i was with that camp for my first two amateur fights and I heard of American top team and I saw the type of woman who trained there. And I was like, if I want to be someone in the sport, I need to train with the best. I don't care if it's two hours away or if it's 45 minutes away, I have to find a way to make it happen. Turns out that one of my old college sorority sisters, um, her dad was an old American top team um, coach. And um, I had no idea about MMA back then. And then here I am saying, Abby, are you still in Coconut Creek? And she's like, yeah, you know, come stay, stay with me. Um, help me out with my rent and I'll help you find a job. So I waitressed. I lived with my friend for six, seven months. And I was able to, to start my camp in American Top Team as an amateur. And they let me train with the pros as an amateur. So I was getting top-notch coaching and advice and being around all these stars as an amateur. I finished my amateur career with them and American top team has developed me into this fighter. I am, you know, and on top of everything, just mentally seeing all the champions who go there, you know, you pick up on a vibe and what works for them. And I'm always asking questions. I'm like, so you understand before you fight, uh, how do you deal with this? How do you handle that? If they grab you by here, you know, I ask a lot of questions and I analyze a lot and I pick up from that, but just being around all these huge fighters, especially the woman like JJ and um, Amanda Nunez and Nina and stuff, you know, that's how I want to be. And I'm also seeing my level of talent and and how competitive I could be with them and how ready I am to fight um, at that level. So you talked about how hard it was, uh, everything leading up to this. So you got into like a car accident. What the hell happened that almost made you pull out of the fight? That, that I mean, I saw the pictures on Instagram. It, it looked really scary. Yeah, so that's not even the worst of it. Well, this year I've gone through a lot. And so I went on Exadon. You guys all know about that. And Exadon was really hard for me because it was completely out of my comfort zone. That's and the I reality really, show, right? The uh... reality show, the one George was on. I really struggled on that show because I'm not very athletic unless it comes to hitting something hard or dancing. Those are the only two things I'm going to Because if you ask me to jump, 
I can't jump high. Like I'm not coordinated for those things. And that show is a competition show on obstacle courses, swimming and stuff. It's completely out of my comfort zone. So that show was really hard for me. And on top of everything, I gained a lot of weight on that show because I can't eat like a normal girl and not gain weight. You know, my, my yeah. metabolism's weird. I gain weight very fast. I lose weight very fast. So from that show, I struggled from a huge eating disorder, got back, saw myself at the worst point in my life. You know, my parents were going through a huge divorce. My family was all separated. I was just in a dark place. And on top of everything, I just, I didn't know how to handle it. I was very young facing that. And um, all I could think about was the next time I got to go in the cage. Then January comes, I'm supposed to fight Tara. I have a partially torn MCL. Okay, I was in a fight like that. And then I really hurt it bad. So I couldn't fight. And then I had to recover from my first like real injury in all my years of martial arts, you know, a torn MCL just because I didn't tap out of a knee bar at practice. And then, um, and then, uh, and then quarantine happened. So I was just frustrated because I felt like I started being seen as just an Instagram girl, but I was training harder than anyone. You know, I just, I had a lot of things happen in my life that I wasn't ready to fight. And then leading up to this fight, you know, I got the call in three weeks notice. I was already closer to it. I'm like, okay, I could drop this in three weeks. No problem. And um, that girl, Tara, has been harassing me for months and months and months. Like, when I mean harassing me, like, every day tweeting at me, posting something at me every single day, just annoying and ugly. Like, so, so annoying. And then the fight week, that Wednesday, I had a huge problem happen in my house, which I don't want to talk about it, but it was it was ugly. And that's when I was going to pull out that Wednesday, and I left Sunday. And I was talking to Abraham. Abraham and I, I, my mind's not there for this fight. I don't think I could do it. My mind is focused on other things right now. I'm going to hurt myself. And um, Abraham was like, take take the night um, to think about it. And I spoke to a sports psychologist. I spoke to Abraham's sister. She's one of my best friends. They spoke some sense into me. And and they told me, Valerie, nobody, nobody loves a victim. You know, people would admire you more for overcoming being a victim and performing and and that's what I had to do. But then Saturday, before I left Sunday, I was on the highway after I trained at American Top Team, cut the last weight I had, blow dried my hair, haven't packed yet to leave Sunday. I'm on the highway on a merge, 45 minutes on the way home. And there's a huge tow truck behind me speeding. And I'm looking at him and I'm in front of him on a merge and he tries to pass me. He doesn't realize I'm there with his long, like the long back and it hits me and I spin into the rail and I broke as hard as I could. Like if I was getting punched, I stopped right before I hit the rail and I could have flipped over that thing. I freaked out because I was like, you know, there's a girl who's going into the cage to literally try to kill me. Okay. And look at all the stupid I'm dealing with right now. I'm not even focusing. I thought God was telling me, don't fight, you're going to get hurt. You know? But I was like, you have to do it. You have to take in control of your life. You have to take control of the moment. Don't even think about it. I didn't post anything about the accident. I didn't want anybody to know. I wanted to completely take that energy out and put it into the fight and I used it and I put it all towards Tara. I feel so bad for her. <laughs> well, well, I'm serious. I had a lot of anger <laughs> built up for a long time. Man, that, that's, 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 uh, that's bananas. Uh, thanks, I guess, for, you know, giving insight into that. That's, that's pretty crazy. And it's no wonder then, I guess, why your celebration was so much, everything was coming out, which by the way, which by the way, I want to just say that because I know people with the dancing and cause they, you know, all that stuff. I love it because that's like Miami <laughs> Hurricane stuff to me. Like, I don't know. If, have you ever seen The You? 
the documentary. Yes. <laughs> that is that is like score touchdown, dance on your opponent. That's that's the stuff I love. And then uh, you know they had to like make the old the PSA afterwards. We're like we have yeah. to we have to do sportsmanship rules. You listen, that's <laughs> with, that, with everything with everything that you just described. You went through. No wonder like you you feel like you're you're celebrating and, and everything's coming out like that. Celebration was more like I think people. The only way the only reason people some people criticize it is because they don't understand the background. They don't understand that this girl's been harassing me as a as a woman, as an athlete, my family, like everything for months and months and months. Like, imagine how annoying. And when she she said I pulled out of that fight because I, I couldn't make the weight. Like, no, I always make weight. That's not why I pulled out. I was genuinely hurt. And on top of that, mentally and physically, I wasn't well. So I just feel like if people from the outside understood the back perspective from Twitter and stuff, and that girl Macy Chasen or whatever her name is, um, they wouldn't understand why I dance like that because I'm petty. Okay, so in the first moment, I'm like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna criticize me for my TikToks. Watch, I'm gonna knock her out. I'm gonna do a TikTok. I'm gonna dance a hundred times harder because that's how I am. <laughs> um, do you think Do you think you're gonna deal with that your entire career, like the cheap yes. shots, the easy stuff? And are you, are you Teflon yes. to that stuff already? Is it already like stuff that you can handle yes. easily? Everybody's gonna criticize me. Everybody's gonna um, try to uh, question my character. Everyone's gonna try to question my intentions in the sport. It's okay. I never respond. You know, I stay true to myself. You know, I stay true to my, I have an intuition natural since I was little telling me what to do, what not to do, what to post, what not to post. Um, how I want to brand myself and market myself is not for anybody. It's for myself. Like this is my brand. Like, like that's my neon sign. That's my Loretta logo. That's cool. Like yeah. that's my, like, that's what I stand for. Like, that's in my heart. And, you know, I feel like I'm different and I feel like I'm myself. And on top of everything, I'm a natural born fighter. My dad's crazy. I've been doing this my whole life. You know, I could fight in that cage for, for many years to come at Bellator's space and, and show the world who I am and what makes me different than every other female fighter right now in Bellator or the UFC. Uh, do you have an idea, like, with signing this new deal with Bellator um, and having a knockout like that, what is, I guess, the game plan of how you want to keep developing your career? Because you're doing a very brave thing where you are doing this on Bellator, which is a big stage uh, from the start. It's a cool thing that they're doing, too, where they have. Um, so, like, do you do you know, like, at what pace and, and what kind of opponent you want to go to and, and when you want to get to, I guess, a title kind of level? Because I know you said that was, you know, one of your goals. Well, I think people forget that I'm 22. OK, and I'm 3 and And um, I debuted pro opening a main card for the first time fighting without shin guards. Like that alone is crazy, you know, and I'm doing this at my pace. Like I know my talent, I know my potential, and I know I could be anybody. But right now I'm going by what Bellator, my manager, thinks is right for me and developing an athlete in their career at a very young age, you know, and I want to be in this for a long run. You know, there's no need um, to rush into anything. You know, I'm getting experience. I learned a lot from this fight. It was so much fun for me. I love the note. The, the no fans and stuff and um i'm getting better and better by the day and every time i fight in that cage i have more experience so when i feel and my management my team feels is appropriate you know we're gonna go for that belt but i know i could do it you know if it were up to me i'll fight tomorrow for the belt but i know that everything comes with time i have to do things the right way and um i need to step a lot of um obstacles and paths and different types of fighters before i get that opportunity How'd you celebrate? Oh, I got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even eat. No, because the thing is that I I fought and I won. And I was just like, 
it was just so satisfying. It was a satisfying fight. My sister was there for me, my coaches and stuff. We went up to the room. I changed fast. I go, let's go downstairs. And we went to eat and I didn't even eat. I just drank a whole bottle of wine and I was drunk and I missed my flight two times. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, listen, you deserve it. Uh, I guess I before, before we get you out of here, when do you think you want to be back in action? It seemed like you were, you know, right back in training this week. Uh, yeah, when, it do was, you, when do you want to be back at it? Um, hopefully by November, December, I think December, early December. Uh, thank you for the time. Uh, we always appreciate you being generous with your time, Valerie. Uh, I know Miami roots for you, and they love hearing uh, the updates from you. So thank you so much for making time for us. And to see the support I've gotten from Miami, honestly, like that means more to me than anything. It's it's really fun to see. I got to my apartment building and I went outside. Everybody watched my fight here. Like it just it makes me really happy that I'm representing Cubans and our culture here. That's awesome. Uh, all the safety to you during the crazy COVID times, and uh, can't wait to see you in action again. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Take care. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.